All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your Wednesday afternoon headlines. Developers will face even fewer hurdles when seeking approval for multi-million dollar builds as a result of the state government's latest overhaul of planning laws. Addressing a Property Council of Australia WA Division event this afternoon, Premier Mark McGowan outlined a series of changes to the state's development approval pathways, which will include a reduction in the number of development assessment panels and an indefinite extension to the controversial state development assessment unit. The latter vehicle, brought in as a way to turbocharge economic activity throughout the pandemic, has given the tick of approval to approximately $2.6 billion worth of projects across Western Australia, but has faced intense pushback and scrutiny from local councils and the WA local government Association. Under the proposed changes, developers with projects valued at $20 million or more will from now on be able to seek approval through the Western Australian Planning Commission-led unit, with decisions to be made with a 120-day turnaround and some flexibility given to designs that fall outside of relevant local planning schemes. Joint development assessment panels will be retained, but further reduced to three, having previously been cut from nine to five, with the new panels covering inner metropolitan, outer metropolitan and regional divisions. Projects that can be assessed under that approval pathway will also be opened up, with almost all developments worth more than $2 million eligible and proposals with fewer than 10 multiple dwellings no longer excluded from the system. The proposed changes are likely to come into effect next year. Mr Begowan framed the new measures as a response to housing supply issues caused by councils either delaying planning decisions or refusing to approve projects that fall within existing guidelines. Changes to the state's planning policy comes just one month after the Real Estate Institute of Western Australia found the state's number of properties for sale hit a 12-year low as at December last year. Meanwhile, house prices in Perth fell by just 0.3% last month, with a median value at approximately $560,000. Housing choice remains an issue, however, with inner suburban Perth more sparsely populated than similar areas in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane. Lagging supply on this front has been consistently highlighted by the state government's annual Urban Growth Monitor report, which found the state's net infill rate as of 2020 was just 44%, below the stated target of 47%. Speaking today, Mr McGowan didn't shy away from Perth's relatively affordable housing market, but insisted reform was necessary now to head off any supply issues down the track as a result of a growing migration rate. And in other news, drilling and equipment supplier SRAM Group has brought in voluntary administrators not two weeks after an employer was fatally injured at the company's workshop in Welshpool. FDI Consulting announced this afternoon that Hayden White, Paul Harland and Ian Francis had been appointed voluntary administrators to three entities collectively referred to as SRAM Group. Based in Welshpool, FDI said SRAM's main business was manufacturing and supplying mobile drilling rig equipment to the mining industry. FDI said SRAM had been operating in volatile market conditions that has significantly impacted its ongoing financial viability. The announcement comes nine days after a SRAM Australia employee was killed at the company's production facility on Banksy Road on February 13. Mr White acknowledged the appointment of administrators had occurred soon after the tragic death of an employee, but that the two events did not appear related. And in other news, a Perth band led by Business News 40 Under 40 winner Daniel Estrin will represent Australia on the world stage at the Eurovision Song Contest 2023. Synth metal band Voyager will be the first Western Australian act to represent the country when they perform in the 67th Eurovision Song Contest to be held in Liverpool in May. The band partnered with Tourism WA to record the music video for their song Promise, set in Hut Lagoon Pink Lake in Calbarry National Park. Voyager has also received funding from the state government through the Contemporary Music Fund program, although that amount has not been disclosed. 
Lead singer Daniel Estrin was named a 40 Under 40 winner in 2021 for his success with his dual careers as a co-founder of specialist immigration law firm Estrin Saul Lawyers, while also leading Voyager and performing around the world. Tourism Minister Roger Cook said WA's representation in Eurovision had opened opportunities to launch tourism campaigns and showcase the state. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, Jordan Murray and senior journalist Claire Tyrrell discuss commercial property in Perth CBD. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to Act Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by senior journalist Claire Tyrrell. Claire, how are you today? Good, thank you, Jordan. You wrote about commercial developers for the latest edition of Business News, Claire, upon which Resources Minister Madeline King graces the cover, and you highlighted office vacancy data, and it seems as if there's a little bit of nuance to those figures, which on first glance appear pretty poor for Perth. There certainly is, Jordan. So Perth CBD has the second highest office vacancy rate in the country, which at first glance doesn't seem like a positive figure. It's one of those where the higher it is, the worse it is, and we're at 15.6% at the moment. Uh, However, it is trending in the right direction. Uh, Perth was one of three cities to show a decline in its vacancy rate. A lot of the other major cities' vacancy rates increased uh, and vacancy rate just means the amount of space that uh, tenants are occupying or actually not occupying because it's vacant. Uh, The other figure that the Property Council talk about at length is occupancy rate, which is the the other half. So at the moment, Perth's doing really well in that regard. So we're about 80% of pre-COVID levels in terms of office occupancy, which shows that people are uh, exhibiting confidence in the office market and returning to work in, in droves. And with the return of workers to Perth CBD, there's a host of new supply coming online, which you also wrote about in your article. There is, Jordan. So we've got a lot of new supply coming on in Perth, which is a really positive thing. People will have seen one, the Esplanade down at Elizabeth Quay, which has been a long-awaited building by Brookfield that will bring on about 55,000 square metres of office space and it's actually fully leased. So Chevron, uh, Herbert Smith Freehills, Minter Ellison to name a few, it is the Chevron building of course, so they'll be taking up a majority of the space and those tenants, most of them, Chevron, Herbert Smith Freehills are coming over from QV1 so that will leave a bit of a gap there but I'm assured by CBRE uh, Andrew Denny at CBRE, the leasing agent, that negotiations are well underway to fill that gap at QV1. The other supplier we've got coming on board is uh, AAIG which is Victor Goh's development company. He's a developer and a builder, a bit of an enigma, has built half of Perth, uh, his Capital Square Tower 3 project, which will bring on 17,000 square metres of net-letable area, 
Also got GDI Property Group's Westralia Square 2 development, which will bring on nine or nine and a half thousand square metres of office space, depending on who you talk to. Quite large floor plates there. And uh, I, I recently sat down with GDI, actually, and they told me an interesting fact I didn't include in this article, but because that building's built from timber and steel, it's quite flexible in terms of what you can do with the floor space so you can split up the floors so apparently some tenants are looking at literally cutting holes in in the floors to to link one floor to another floor put a set of stairs in etc so there are some pretty interesting things happening in the CBD at the moment in terms of development of offices also some things on hold uh, much like the apartment space I'm, I'm kind of pretty keen to see what's going on at uh places like Carillion. And amenity is another interesting facet that you explore in your article, particularly it seems basketball courts are one of the ways that uh, office owners are getting workers back into the city. Certainly is, Jordan. So I spoke to Dragon, who purchased the atrium building many, many years ago now, and they have just, or they're actually embarking on it now, a, a bit of an overhaul, the end of trip and and all of that, the floors, the the lobby space. Uh, but one of the interesting things they did was bring in one of the only uh, indoor basketball courts in Perth. And I was corrected when I wrote this because I said it was the only one. But of course it's not because we've got the Perth Wildcats over uh, near our RAC arena. Uh, but it's the only one where, you know, you can, as an office worker, you can go and book out and, and play a game of basketball on your lunch break. So I don't know about you, Jordan, but that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not tall enough and my knees are too weak to play basketball at length. Let's also talk a bit about transactions because any good property article comes with a host of transactions with which we can talk about. Claire, this is an area with which you have some expertise and familiarity. Talk me through uh, what the big deals have been in recent months for the commercial property sector. Yeah, so I spoke at length with uh, John Williams, who's an expert in this field from JLL, and I can't, couldn't help but notice the lack of activity in the office market in terms of big volume transactions in, in recent months. And he told me, he was, he's a straight talker, he said it's pretty much impossible to sell anything at the moment. Uh, almost impossible, not quite impossible. But the main reason he gave was the rising interest rates and the uncertainty of the nature of the rises uh, buyers are sitting it out and, and waiting until they can have a bit more certainty in terms of what they're going to buy and how much it's going to cost uh, because these transactions, they're complex, they take a long time and, you know, you could have two or three interest rate rises in between looking at an asset and and, and pulling the trigger on buying it. So the, uh, the big transactions we had last year was Allendale Square, of course, which is very visible to us right next door for $223 million to Centuria and MA Financial. Uh, 186 St George's up the other end of the terrace sold to Silverleaf. And 108 St George's, also affectionately known as the Bond Tower, or it used to be, uh, sold for $340 million to Realside and Lendlease. They were the major transactions. There's a few big buildings on the market uh, that haven't sold. Uh, I recently wrote about St Martin's Centre, which quintessential equity Melbourne-based group pulled out of uh, buying that one. I just think they didn't have enough information to proceed with the deal. It's, as I said, very complicated. Uh, Centuria also had a few things on the market, uh, the Channel 9 building included, but they recently pulled that, just, I think, citing 
uncertainty as well. To read more on this one, head online now to businessnews.com.au or pick up the latest edition of Business News. Claire, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.